Wonderful. You know, I was uh, thinking about these guys becoming deacons, and next week we're release, uh, releasing and ordaining Tim and Kate as elders. And it just hit me that we've only started less than six months ago. And I'm just kind of stunned at what God's doing. This is the third or fourth church we've been a part of planting. And uh, just wonderful to see what God's doing. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians. I want to talk about uh, translocal team this morning. You might wonder, how in the world does that fit for all of us as a church? But I'll tell you, and that's why we're talking about this. We actually believe it's the uh, translocal team that ordains elders. It's God who picks people. Now, we as a local team can pray for an ordained deacons, but we believe that there's something in the Bible about people from outside. You're going to hear how this works. We don't actually, we're not part of a denomination, but we do partner with a team, and I'm going to tell you about that so that you understand how that functions. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, or as Christ gives. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. We're going to get into that in a few weeks, but here's where I want to focus this morning. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want to talk about the gift of translocal team, or Ephesians 4 ministry team. But I want to kind of give you an illustration here this morning. Okay? I want to give you a timeline of all of history. Okay? You, you, you have to help me visualize this. So I'm going to start with Johan. If you'll stand over there by the curtain for me. Johan's Adam. Created, okay, God made Adam, and on the other end, Taryn, will you help me? On the other end of human history, over here, is the bride of Christ. Taryn's getting married in a couple months, so she's going to fulfill that future bride, okay? You guys know basic middle of history was Jesus. Josh, come here, you're going you're gonna to be Jesus for me. No, no, no pressure. Stand, stand right here in the middle. Hold your hands out. That's why he's going to be Jesus, because I'm going to talk for the next 20 minutes, and he's going to stand there with his hands held out and see how long. No. So he's Jesus, okay? So here's the, the story. God made man in his image, okay? Made him in his image and gave him authority. God was actually looking down the corridor of time and seeing a bride for Christ and made us with the capacity to fulfill that. Capacity for relationship and rulership. Why? Because that's the goal. And so here's the, the whole plan. And then right after Jesus, death and resurrection, 
the church is born. Okay, we don't have any babies here today. So I'm going to, Prue, come and help me. <laughs> you're not actually a baby, but you're going to represent the, here's the, the church being born, right? And right after Jesus, the church is being born that's going to grow up to become this bride. That's why it would be, really work if this were a baby here. You just have to use your imagination. And it's into this context that Jesus gives gifts to help this infant church become this glorious bride without spot and blemish. People from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Didn't include that. The Father gave a gift, right? He gave the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus gave gifts. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He could have given other gifts. You guys, that, that's good. Thank you. He could have given other gifts. He could have given unlimited resources to the church. Right? We have a precedence in the Bible in that he made Solomon the wealthiest man in existence. So he could have given unlimited resources. Why did he not? Because he's our source. We have everything we need. He could have given political power. We have a precedent in David being the king over all of Israel. But he didn't. Why? Because the kingdom is not advanced politically. It advanced by individual people preaching the gospel, baptizing and discipling. That's us. He could have given complete protection. We have a precedent. Daniel in the lion's den. The angel came and closed the mouth of the lion. He could have given complete protection. We would never face persecution. Never, there would be no martyrs, but he didn't. Why not? Because there's no sting in death. We've been redeemed. Death is just graduating to be with him. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, when you think of what he could have given... And he didn't, it makes you think, wow, maybe these have a bit more importance than I've realized. Maybe there's something here I've missed because we've just kind of overlooked them. But Jesus could have given anything as gifts to the church, and this is what he gave. <coughs> and every gift imparts grace to every believer. There's something that happens. There's something when someone who is apostolic comes into a church, that all of us receive some grace. I'm going to tell you what we receive in a, in a few moments, but I just want you to understand. When someone who is prophetic comes in, something happens in all of us. Now, there's some people who resonate to the prophetic more, and so they just get really excited. And they, we all, while we all get something, they get more, and they think, oh, this is why church should be all the time. And then when the evangelist comes in, something happens for all the rest of us, but there's some who just resonate with that, and they think, ah, this is church. Okay? I'm not going to tell you why we resonate differently in a few minutes. But how do we know who's who? When I uh, had lived here in Australia, we, we went back to the States. We lived there for 10 years and planted a church in Denver. 
When I went back to the States, Mary and I spent uh, a few months traveling and visiting, visiting churches that partner with the team that we're part of. Uh, and in that process, I met a lot of people. Well, I met someone who handed me a business card that said that they were an apostle. And it made me wonder, okay, what makes someone an apostle? Is it because I have a business card? If I have to tell you I have a gift, do I have a gift? <laughs> Am I trying to convince you? Or is there something else? Some call themselves apostolic fathers. Okay, that if someone's ever planted a church or fathered something, then that makes them apostolic. I want to tell you, Jesus said, don't call anyone father. There's only one. Matthew chapter 7 says this from verse 15. Beware of false prophets. That's the context. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Say that three times fast. <laughs> figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits will you know them. So this morning, rather than trying to define for you what is an apostle or a prophet or evangelist or a pastor and teacher, I want to talk to you about the fruits that you would see if they were coming to minister. Okay? Is that okay? Yep. See, the bottom line is someone's business card doesn't make them an apostle. The fruit that we see in the church is what makes them an apostle. Paul says this, to some, I'm an apostle. Who determines who are the gifts to us as a church? We do. They don't. An organization doesn't. A team doesn't. We do. Because we see the fruit. Right? You know them by their fruit. Very simple. So we want to talk about what is the fruit of the five, five-fold ministry. What's the fruit of the apostle? First and foremost, it's lifting up the supremacy of Christ. It's the king and his kingdom. Paul said, I preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's not someone who preaches an organization. It's someone who focuses us on Jesus. With that is the authority of the word, and there's something of an enlargement that takes place, something of an enlarged capacity with someone who is apostolic. There's something of seeing the kingdom of God, seeing the, the, the remaining responsibility. Someone comes who's apostolic, and, and it's not just ministries. See, the fivefold ministry was given, the gifts were given for the equipping of the saints, there's a difference between ministering and equipping. Okay, someone who is prophetic can come and prophesy over everybody, and that's ministry. Someone who is prophetic who comes and 
teaches us to hear God's voice and a hunger for the, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, that's equipping. Someone who comes and ministers a good word, that's, that's a blessing. We, we love that. But someone who equips is what fivefold is about. I'll tell you why this is important in a little bit. So the bottom line is the apostolic really, that simple fruit is that we love Jesus more. Right? Really simple for us simple people. We might have an increased vision for the world or an enlarged capacity, but the bottom line is our focus gets brought back to Jesus. What about the prophetic? It's really the fruit is being led by the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice, moving in the supernatural. We're talking about equipping, the fruit of someone who's equipping, not someone who's ministering. Someone who comes and prophesies over everyone is ministering, but someone who is actually teaching us how to hear God's voice, to move in the things of the Spirit, to have a hunger for intimacy with the Holy Spirit, that's equipping. That's the fivefold ministry gift that Jesus has given to the church for equipping. Short answer, what's the fruit? A love for the Holy Spirit. Simple, huh? This isn't so, so bad. What about someone who's a teacher? You notice I use a different order from 1 Corinthians 12 as opposed to Ephesians 4, and I'll tell you why in a second. Teaching basically is what? Knowing the, God's character and ways. It's a love for truth, a transformation. There's something happens, not just someone who preaches the word, but someone who gives us a hunger and a love for the word of God, sees the authority. So short answer, why do we end up with fruit? A love for the word. Are you seeing this? We've got a love for Jesus, a love for the Holy Spirit, love for the word. Everything comes down to love. That's just a hint. Okay, evangelism. Obviously, a heart for the lost, signs and wonders, different things. Short answer is what I love for? Love for the world, love for the lost, right? Someone who actually is a five-fold ministry evangelist who is, who is coming as a gift that Jesus gives to the church will come and all of us will end up with more of a love for the lost. Now, there are some who resonate with that and they're just going to be, yes, yes, yes. This is what we need to do all the time. This is what church should be. See, these gifts that Jesus gave to the church, he's still giving. Where do they come from? They come from us. People with those resident frequencies who are trained and equipped to grow. And eventually, God can use to minister beyond the local to a bigger picture. What's the pastoral gift? What's the fruit? Shepherding, caring, covenant relationships, family. There's something of a, something that, that happens within us that we just see that the value and the importance of God knitting us together, of us being family. What do we end up with? A love for the body. Simple. Love for Jesus, love for the spirit, love for the word, love for the lost, love for the body. 
1 Corinthians 12, 28. says, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles. Let me tell you, we tend to think hierarchically. I'm going to tell you, that's not hierarchical, it's chronological. What does the church need first? It needs foundation of Jesus Christ, a love for Jesus. When we have that, we add to that Intimacy with the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice, moving in the supernatural. Why do we need the foundation of love for Jesus? Because he's the focus, has to remain the focus. If we don't have that, then we tend to get off base a little bit. And we add to that a love for the word, the truth of God that transforms us. We add to that a love for the lost because when people get saved, they have something to get added to. I focus on Jesus, intimacy of the Holy Spirit, the foundation and truth of the word. They have something to get added to. And then we added to that the pastoral, a love for the body. See, if we start with that, we get so focused on us and loving one another that we miss the bigger picture that it's not just about us, it's about the rest of the world. And we miss that picture and we don't realize that we need the truth of God's word to give us a foundation so we are not influenced by the world, but influencing the world. We need the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit so that we can actually take the, uh, the message of the gospel to a hurting world and see people saved and healed. We can see deliverance take place. But all of it's got to be focused on Jesus. Which one do we need most? Why did Jesus give us five? See, some of us think, well, we only need the prophetic. Or we only need the evangelist. To me, that's kind of like someone who does a lot of working out with just their right bicep. Okay? I mean, that becomes huge. I used to play tennis when I was uh, younger. And when I first met Mary, I was a tennis player. And if you've ever known someone who plays a lot of tennis, I had a really big right forearm. The rest of my body was scrawny. I weighed 160 pounds, it was little, but I had this huge forearm because of playing tennis all the time. That's what Mary remembers about me back in those days. See, we don't need just one muscle. We need all of them. Jesus said these are the gifts that he gave. Not something that we decided. He could have given us anything, but he gave us these. So let me make a couple of side statements just to answer the questions that you'll have later, even though you don't know you have. (laughs) The gifts that Jesus gave are not government in the church. Okay? Government in the church is the leadership team of the local church, elders and deacons. It's not something from the outside. The gifting doesn't take the place of government. There is no hierarchy. There's no 
if we recognize gifts, that they then come in and tell us what to do. Okay, it doesn't work that way. It's actually within the local church that the government takes place. Now, having said that, if we recognize someone who is a translocal gift that we receive into the church, they have no governmental authority over the church, but they do have a gift. And if we recognize that gift, we'd be smart to listen to their input. Now, that doesn't mean that they make decisions for us, but it does mean that it's probably smart to listen to what they have to say, would you think? If we recognize them as a gift that Jesus has given. Even though we recognize that, it still doesn't give them any governmental authority. We believe the authority for the local church rests in Jesus, who's the head of the church, and then the local church. Okay, now let me get specific. We recognize some gifts. Many of them are part of a team called New Covenant Ministries International. New Covenant Ministries is a team of Ephesians 4 gifting that ministers in different churches around the world, partners with different churches. There are about 250 couples on that team, and their involvement of the team is in about 105, 106 nations with tens of thousands of churches. We don't recognize everyone on that team as a gift to this church because many of them have been released because they're a gift in another nation or another context. Someone could be released who's ministering into uh, Zimbabwe or Mozambique or someplace, which is fantastic, but that doesn't mean that they would actually be a gift to us. Are you still with me? But some of them we do recognize as gifts to the church. And so occasionally, we will have them in. Uh, NCMI, they're they're not a fathering movement. They're simply gifts that Jesus has given, that we decide are gifts. You still with me? Okay. Some have talked about just relating friendship-wise. We do, because there's no authority, our connection is much more relational than it is authority-wise. So NCMI is not a governmental covering for us. They're actually gifts that we connect with. And so with NCMI, there's no organization to join. There is a team of recognized five-fold ministry gifts ministering around the world. Mary and I are part of that team and have been for, I don't know, a lot of years. I'd tell you how long, but you wouldn't believe it because I'm sure I don't look that old. <laughs> you would think I must have come on the team when I was two. <laughs> we are invited and have the privilege of going into churches in different nations and this nation and helping to bring some biblical foundation and connection, and that's important for us too. So we partner with New Covenant Ministries International. What does that mean? That means intentionally we invite some people that we recognize as gifts to come in to the church. We usually only do it a couple times a year 
because we believe that that input is something we need to give uh, attention to and a priority for. And so basically, partnering with the team is something we have to do intentionally. It means that we actually have to welcome Jesus' pattern. That Jesus gave gifts. Okay, we set time aside for that. Now, I recognize that when these guys come, we, we do something a little bit more. We set a Saturday morning aside. We'll do that twice this year. Next week is one. I realize Saturday is not a good time for most people. Uh, our goal is simply we provide opportunities. We don't provide pressure. There's not a checklist. You have to come to these things. But if you see the importance of the gifts that Jesus give, eventually you'll recognize that and make that a priority. Um, but we tend to set time aside. More than they're, they're not just visiting speakers. They're gifts that we tend to listen to. We believe that they have something for us as a church. And so that's why we do this. That's why next week we have Matt and Elodie coming. Now, that, that, it gets a little, bit, a little bit muddied because Matt and Elodie are actually our son and daughter. This is not the, the Doty fivefold ministry team. <laughs> We didn't decide this. Uh, they just have actually functioned on that team for quite a number of years in different places in the world. Uh, but because they lead the church that we originally planted, they've been very uh, partnering with us, very effective in partnering with us, sharing financially and praying for us as we got started. Uh, and so we recognize them as a gift and we've invited them but through that team, we can also have teams that minister around the world. Let me tell you, we have opportunities in almost, well, in 105 nations that if you're feeling something stirring in God, we can connect you with places where you can go and be a part of ministering. Churches that you can connect with. If there's something stirring. So we have this, it works both ways. They come and they, they help us, but then we partner with them into the nations. So we might do an equip in another nation. Uh, in a couple of years, there is a world equip. We do equips. Equips are team getting together with people within a nation. So in, in February, NCMI, we do the team in Australia does an equip and we invite people who, who would like to come throughout Australia to come and be equipped. We do that because we don't have time to go to every church in every nation. So we kind of bring them together. We do about 35 equips around the world each year. And then every five or 10 years, we gather everyone together in one spot. So in 2020, we're doing that in South Africa uh, as a world equip. But connected with that, there are equips within the country, and there's a whole number of them, and places where you can connect with churches and minister and go with teams throughout Africa. If you've had a, a desire to be involved in ministering in an orphanage, we can connect you. If you've had a desire to get into the, the uh, Congo, we can connect you. Okay? Now, we're not the only team, by any means. We don't believe NCMI is the only team. We're not exclusive we believe there's a whole lot of other people who are fivefold ministry gifts. Okay? Uh, and we're open to 
God connecting us with other people. But these are the guys we're connected with at this point. You still with me? Okay. Why is this important? Because we have some guys coming. And because Paul said to Titus to appoint elders in Crete. On his missionary journey, he went to places like Lystra for a couple weeks. He went on, and then he came back a few months later and appointed elders. And so the only place that we see elders being appointed are by translocal teams. So we have the privilege of ordaining Tim and Kate as elders next week. And so we've actually invited the team, Matt and Elodie, as representatives of the team to come and do that. New Covenant Ministries doesn't ordain people. Jesus does. Okay? They're not ordained by an organization. They're not ordained by us as a church. They're ordained by Jesus that we just get to partner with doing that. And so part of that, the process is that we believe we've heard God. We believe we've examined their character. We believe they've, they've heard God. And then a final confirmation is we ask someone who's outside of our setting if they would pray as well. And so well, there's been occasions where guys have been asked to come in and ordain people and they felt a check in God. They simply said, sorry, I can't. Sometimes we don't know. A number of years ago, we had a guy we were looking at as eldership in our church and we asked uh, one of the guys on the team if he'd come and ordain him. He said, no, I can't. I just, I don't know why, I have a check. We found out in just a, a few weeks why that was. There was a, a character flaw that we hadn't seen, that God just manifests so that it could be dealt with. You know, God doesn't, the, the requirements for leadership are not disqualifications, they're qualifications. What does that mean? That means God's actually helping us to grow in errors. He's not looking for things that he can say, no, no, Tim doesn't qualify in this one. You know, in, in all of our life, our growing in Jesus isn't God being unhappy, it's him saying, hey, let me help you understand in love how you can actually live better. So, all that to say, we're going to ordain these guys next week. We have Matt and Elodie coming uh, in October. We have another couple who will come. Uh, it's actually the week after Tim and Taryn's wedding. I don't think they'll be here. Oh, well. <laughs> what did you say? We'll, <laughs> we'll come back. No. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll set some time aside on Saturday morning. If, you're, if you can join us, that's great. If not, that's okay. I hope you get a picture of the gifts that Jesus gives. And realize, see, I'm sharing all this today wasn't really what I wanted to, to preach about. But I shared it all today because you're going to ask me individually, who are these guys and why are they coming and what are we doing and why do we do this? And I wanted you all to know right up front is that we recognize them as gifts to the church that Jesus has given. Okay? You still with me? Good. Okay, you awake? Time for coffee. <laughs> we need more coffee. This is, this is not one of those exciting, motivational, gung-ho, except that, as Tim said earlier, we do uh, 
would like people to register for this time. There's no cost. But in just planning and preparation, especially if you have kids. Uh, and so Tim has some iPads that you can actually register today, if you'd like, uh, online. Or you can go to our church website. Can you stand with me? We're going to be dismissed in a moment. My overall goal is that we don't talk about structure things on Sunday morning, but we do that other times. So I'm going to tell you that this will probably be the only time. We've talked about leadership structure. We've talked about... My goal is that we do that on Wednesdays or other times and that Sunday morning is more about our focus on Jesus and his ministry to us. And so if, you're, if this is your first time here, it's not always like this. Sometimes it's worse. No. <laughs> I had a friend who, say, who said, sometimes I preach good and then sometimes I preach great. And then there's other times. If you would like prayer, either for healing or for something that you're going through, we'd have some folks who would love to pray with you. Uh, let me tell you this, those of you who are part of the church, you can pray. Okay? Don't, don't make me ask, have to ask you. Okay? I'm looking at some of you saying, you guys can come pray. Uh, Last, last week, Tim and I were praying for someone at the end, and uh, a gal who's not here this morning, Sarah, other Sarah, not this Sarah, other Sarah, as we're praying, walked up, and she said, during the worship, she had this picture of just a waterfall coming on the sky and the love of God saturating him, and that was exactly what we're praying at that moment. It was the word of the Lord. But because it was done in that way, it wasn't Tim and I praying. It was someone who was sharing a picture that God had given her earlier. I think it had an impact ministry-wise. Uh, that was just a confirmation. This is something God's saying. And so there's something of us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to touch people. And so if you need some prayer, be some guys here who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, come and join us for a barbecue afterwards. And if you can't do that, there's some goodies in the back and some tea and coffee. Lord, we just, uh, Lord, I'm grateful that you have actually chosen to give gifts to the church. That you chose not to give us unlimited resources or supernatural protection in every aspect but you chose to give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And Lord, I just want to say, as part of the leadership team of this church, that we receive the gifts that you've given us for our equipping and edification. Lord, you've called every one of us to the work of the ministry. Every single one of us. As a kingdom of priests, to minister to you, to one another, and to the world. And so we just thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing. But we also thank you for the gifts that you've given us. And Father, we thank you again for the team that you've given to lead us here. 
for the people that you're adding, but for the different gifts that are manifest here. In Jesus' name, amen.